0: Welcome to The Social Work Social. My name is Melanie Matthews and I'm a registered social worker. Together, we're going to be exploring the world of mental health treatment by listening to stories and having conversations with a diverse group of social workers. And you're going to have to listen to me quite a bit too. Before we get started, there are two disclaimers about this podcast. The first one is, the information presented here should only be considered completely accurate for Ontario, Canada. There are different rules and regulations for mental health professionals, including social workers, in other parts of Canada and the rest of the world. So make sure you're doing your research to be sure that you know about the regulations specific to your area. The second disclaimer is that nothing presented here should be considered mental health treatment or medical advice. If you're interested in learning more or perhaps getting some of this treatment for yourself, make sure to consult an expert in your area your family doctor is usually a good place to start. As the host of this podcast, I decided that the best place to start would be to tell you a little bit about myself so that you know who you're listening to. As I said, my name is Melanie Matthews, and I'm a registered social worker. I currently live and work in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, But I grew up in a really small town called Ingersoll, which only has about 11,000 people living there. I grew up with a single mother until she married my stepfather when I was eight. As most are, my blended family had a lot of difficulties and I ended up running away from home when I was 16. While I was homeless, I ended up acquiring a traumatic brain injury, which I still continue to experience symptoms of today. The symptoms include seizures and memory loss for the most part. There's a few other things but those are the major ones. I finished high school when I was 19 and kind of just fell into social service work. I first got a child and youth worker diploma from Fanshawe College but I decided I wanted to keep on studying. From there I got a Bachelor of Social Work degree from King's University College at Western University and then a Master of Social Work degree from York University. To be honest, before I became a social worker, I didn't really know much about what they do. Like many people, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about social work is a child welfare worker. These are the people who work for Children's Aid Society in Ontario. They have kind of a negative reputation because a lot of people think that all they do is take away people's children. That's definitely not true. There's a lot more that child welfare workers do. And there's a lot more that social workers do as well. Social workers work across diverse practice areas. You can find them in lots of places like hospitals, schools and nonprofits. Personally, I've spent most of my time working in nonprofits. However, I have recently switched practice areas and now I work completely independently. One of the things I do is I work as a therapist in my own private practice. This means that I offer one-to-one counseling with clients experiencing a variety of mental health issues. The two types of psychotherapy that I use most often are Cognitive Behavior Therapy, or CBT, and Dialectical Behavior Therapy, or DBT. CBT is a pretty well-known therapy. It explores the relationships between thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. I find it to be a really practical therapy, and I use it most often with people who are trying to achieve a concrete goal. DBT is a little bit more complicated. I find DBT really interesting, and it's something that I've been incorporating a lot more into my practice. I'm actually currently doing a certificate course through University of Toronto to specialize more in DBT. In order to explain a little bit more about DBT, I'm going to summarize a few points from the book Doing Dialectical Behavior Therapy, a Practical Guide by Kelly Corner. Marsha Lineham is the person who created DBT, but she credits Kelly Corner as being a really instrumental person in helping develop it. DBT is a really flexible therapy, which was originally developed to help people who are experiencing chronic suicidal behavior, but has since been expanded to be able to work with people with lots of different mental health issues. Many practitioners use DBT to help people who experience borderline personality disorder and suffer from life-threatening or quality of life-threatening behaviors, including suicidality, self-harm, impulsive self-destructive behaviors, and a lot of tumultuous interpersonal relationships. I find that DBT is very applicable for a lot of people, as long as they're committed to using change strategies that are outlined in DBT. One of the biggest strategies that's associated with DBT is the practice of mindfulness. You may have heard of mindfulness because it was a pretty trendy thing to do a couple of years ago. Mindfulness when used with DBT is a lot deeper than the trendy stuff you see on the internet though. It's a lot more than just meditating or doing yoga. Other change strategies that are often used in DBT are things like commitment strategies or self-monitoring using diary cards. DBT is really interesting and if you're a social worker who's thinking of using DBT in your practice, I would definitely recommend the book Doing Dialectical Behavior Therapy. It does also come with a sister book that has a lot of handouts and worksheets that you can use with clients. The other practice area that I work in is one that's even less often associated with social workers. I'm a consultant who does research evaluation and grant writing with nonprofits. This means that I help nonprofits understand what's happening in their programming. I do a lot of things like surveys and focus groups to help evaluate whether or not a program is achieving its intended goals. I also do a lot of math statistics. I spent a lot of time on Excel spreadsheets. Definitely not something that most people think of when they think of social work. Even social workers don't usually think about doing math when they think about social work, because most often we're found working directly with people, building relationships. And that's really why I decided to start this podcast. I found that social work was so often misunderstood that I wanted to be able to do something to teach people more about it. Now, I could have written a paper, but I've published a few papers that I don't think anyone has ever read. So a podcast seemed like a better idea to be able to reach more people in a way that's more fun and engaging. Over the next 11 episodes of this series, you can expect to hear lots of facts and information about mental health in general from me. I'll also be sharing my perspectives on how social work is really unique when working with people who experience these types of mental health issues. However, I'm not an expert in all areas of social work practice and I'm definitely not an expert in the experiences of all social workers. So we're going to be having some conversations with social workers who come from a diverse set of social work practice backgrounds and also lots of different life experiences as well. If all of this sounds interesting to you, then this is the right podcast for you to listen to, and I hope that you decide to join us again. By sharing information and stories, the Social Work Social hopes to inspire you to take action to reduce the stigma of mental health and help normalize seeking mental health treatment. Over the next week, consider what you can do to help. There are so many things you can do based on your strengths, skills and comfort. Look up mental health initiatives in your area and see if there are any volunteer opportunities. Or maybe take a mental health first aid or suicide intervention course. Even just a kind social media post or an encouraging word to someone struggling with their mental health can make a huge difference to that person. Thank you for listening to The Social Work Social. Tune in again next Friday for another episode. Thank you to Taking It Global, the Government of Canada, and the Canada Service Corps for generously supporting this project. If you have a simple project idea to support your community, Taking It Global is looking to support youth who are inspired with ideas and ready to take action through their youth-led community service grants. Apply for a Rising News grant today at risingyouth.ca.